0: So this morning, we're continuing our series in the book of Acts. We're in our third week. In case it's your first time here, uh, Acts is written by a man named Luke, who also wrote the Gospel Luke, and it's all about how the Holy Spirit worked through the early church, how it took a, a 120-so people in a small room and spread the Gospel to millions of people across the world. And, and we're unpacking how the Holy Spirit did this because... If you are a believer here today, if your faith and trust is in Jesus Christ, Scripture tells us that the same power that was available to them is available to us. And the same purpose and same calling that they had in their lives is in our lives. And so we're talking about how do we get to that place? How do we get to that place where we take the Holy Spirit, we listen, we follow, we are guided by, empowered by to spread the gospel. Because if it's true what Jesus says, that sin separates us from God, it's literally a waste of our lives to make anything else a priority but the spread of the gospel. And so we're looking at how we do this. And as we turn to chapter two this morning, we're gonna find the Jews, the followers of Jesus, gathered in Jerusalem like Jesus told them. And they're gathering together and they're waiting because Jesus told them to wait. And today we're gonna see what they probably could never expect or understood what was gonna happen. They're gonna see the power of God fall on them in a way that changed their lives and changed this world forever. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from other nations under heaven. And at the sound of the multitude coming together, they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and they were astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one of us in our own language? Parthians, and Medes, and Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, and Judea, and Cappadocia, and Pontus, and Asia, and Freya, and Pamphylia, and Egypt, and other parts of Libya, belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome. Both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, "What, what what does this mean? But others mocking and said, they were filled with new wine, a nice way of saying they were drunk. This is the word of the Lord. So what is Pentecost? For that is what we're talking about today, Pentecost. Many of us, when we think of Pentecost, we think of Pentecostal, which is a type of church, we would call it, with a certain type of worship style that emphasizes certain spiritual gifts the people that we might consider a little bit weird. And this is coming from a guy who was in a few Pentecostal churches. We think of people speaking gibberish, people waving flags in the air. No offense to anybody who likes to wave flags. People dancing weird. People laying passed out on the floor, shaking. Bunch of other people doing other bunch of other weird looking stuff. We think of the type of services that we feel like give us normal Christians a really bad name. Now, this is unfortunate because the true and original meaning of Pentecost has such a larger meaning, such a greater meaning than different displays of weird-looking worship. The word Pentecost is originally, the word is is numeric in nature. Next time you're playing Bible trivia, this might help you out. And it comes from a a, a different of the Greek word uh, that means 50th. So Pentecost, it means 50th. See, Pentecost was the 50th day after Passover. Passover being uh, the time that the Israelites would celebrate each year they are being saved from Egypt, uh, from Egypt as slaves, being freed. And it was one of three Jewish uh, pilgrimage festivals where Jews would travel from all over the lands and they would come to Jerusalem to, to worship in the temple, to make offerings to God. And so God waits till Pentecost, till everybody was in town for this festival to finally fulfill this promise that he had given to his believers before he went off to heaven. It's a promise that we find in Acts chapter one. And while staying with them, Jesus, he, speaking of Jesus, ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So Pentecost... Which was a day of remembering the past and what God has done, would now be changed to a day of remembering when God gave the power that was needed to spread the gospel. This is what Pentecost is all about the coming of the Holy Spirit in a very individual way to the lives of believers. And I want you to notice that I said the word given, I didn't say earned, I didn't say taken. I didn't say purchased, I didn't say won, I said given. Listen to the way Luke describes it. They're sitting around in the room. The sound comes in like a rushing wind. It filled the entire house. Tongues like fire rested on them. And they began to speak. Doesn't say that they read a book. Doesn't say they attended a seminar. It doesn't, doesn't say that they had a spiritual life coach. doesn't say that they developed this practice, this gift through repeated practice. It says they were given this utterance of tongues as the Spirit rested on them. They simply in this moment received what God had given them. And the point I want to draw from this for you is that God gives you the power. God gives you the power. God gives you the power. You might say, well, pastor, we're talking about the disciples here. And it's true. But scripture tells us that the same Holy Spirit that showed up in that room shows up in our lives when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. And we look to him as the Lord of our lives. the same exact power. Ephesians chapter three, when when Paul is praying for the Ephesian church, he says that according to the riches of his glory, God's glory, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Once he says grant, given the power of God, given to every believer, which we'll talk about a little bit more later, God gives you the power. He gave them the power. They didn't earn it. They didn't know what it was. They didn't know how to even find it. He just gave it. And in the same way, he gives it to us. Do you know that? That God gives you power. Do you live a life that believes that God has given you power? When you understand this truth, it changes how you see people. It changes how you see other people. Because sometimes as Christians, we have the tendency to look at other people and we make judgments on them based on their position, or their talents, or their looks, or their speaking abilities rather than the power of God. Here you see it, one of the reasons that people were so shocked is because these people who were speaking these tongues were Galileans. And Galileans were, were they were, you know, they're not necessarily looked down upon, but they were uneducated, uncultured folks. They're hicks and hillbillies. They don't travel anywhere. No offense to hicks and hillbillies here. But it doesn't matter. When God decides to give his power to somebody, it doesn't matter what they are. We know in the New Testament, God speaks through a donkey. If he can speak through a donkey, he can speak through anybody. Have you ever walked into a church and you made a judgment about how it's going to go by the way the worship leader's dressed or by the way the pastor looks or the voice and tone in, in how he starts speaking. Come on, we all do it. We may not say it out loud. Well, a lot of us might say it out loud. But we make judgments. Sometimes, I learned in churches, I remember I had one pastor, and I was early on, and he told me, he said, look, never tell people when you're out of town. Because people will tend to come to church less when it's not the lead pastor. And I go, Well, why is that? And I wanted to know because I was the associate pastor at the time. So I'm like, Zring. And he said, people get this idea that the lead pastor is somehow more spiritual, God ordained. And so if they know the pastor's not going to be there, they're more likely to miss. And I found it to be true. In fact, in churches where I've not told people that I'm going to be gone, they're like, why don't you tell us when you're gone? And I tell them why. In those moments when we're doubting people, we're not doubting them, we're doubting the power of God to be able to work through them. because we lower our expectations of what God might do that day. And it makes me wonder how many times in my life I've missed out on a message that God has for me because I automatically discounted somebody by the way they looked or their position in life. And we do this a lot even with our families. Families often, we see the the, the worst in our family members, don't we? We see their sin. We see their flaws. We see the stuff that most other people don't see. And sometimes this is why they say it's the hardest to evangelize your family members because they see all your dirt. But no matter who is in my family and how sinful they are, if God is who he says he is and chooses to put his power through them, then I should always be willing to listen to what they have to say. Because it's about God's power and not theirs. Do you hear me this morning, church? I pray every time that I'm ready to discount what somebody has to say to me that I'll remember it's about God's power. I remember one pastor telling me that he had a young man speak once and he was preaching a passage on families and kids and somebody said to him, Uh, how is this kid going to say anything to us about raising kids? And my pastor replied, he said, he's going to say whatever God empowers him to say. And I thought, what a great reminder it is about the power of God that even through children and teenagers, people that we may discount that are younger than God can and will speak. What kind of life would we live of expectation, openness to his word if we realized and we got rid of all of these things where you looked to discount people and we remembered it's, it really comes down to it, it's about the power of God. It's God who gives the power. And this truth doesn't change just how we see other people. It changes how we see ourselves. We are constantly comparing ourselves to other people. Every one of you do it. I do it. We compare ourselves to other people. We compare ourselves to other people in our age bracket. We compare ourselves uh, to other people in our jobs. We can compare ourselves to other people in our schools. We compare ourselves to people online. If we're in church, we compare ourselves to people in church. And based on how we compare ourselves, whether we feel like we're better or we're worse, our confidence level goes up or goes down. I see this a lot in the church when I'll talk to people and, 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 and they won't step up to do something because they feel like, oh man, this so-and-so does this so much better. I, I could never do that. And so they shut the door on what God might, get, might be wanting them to do in their lives. But see, the truth of Pentecost, it shuts that lie up. Because when you understand and believe that the Holy Spirit of God rests on every individual believer, then you realize that the person that you compare yourself to is not better or worse than you are. You realize they're doing what they're doing because of the power of God working through them. And you realize that that same power that works through them is available to work through you. And then it clicks as you, as you get that lie out of your head over and over and over that you're not as good. And you realize that it's about the power of God and he gives us the power to do everything that he calls us to do. Then, and you get that lie out and that truth in, then you realize, look, man, if God asks me to do something, I'm gonna take a chance. I'm gonna do it because I know God's power will give me what I need to do it. I don't have to be afraid. I don't know what will happen. I don't know the outcome, but I know that God's power will give me what I need to do it. So I'm gonna go for it. As a very wise young woman said in the tank last week, amen, Lord, let's go. This is what happens to our perspective in life when we realize that God is the one who gives us the power. And it gives us a sense of wonder in our lives that when you wake up in the morning, like, and what might God do today? Do you ever wake up in the morning and think, man, what, what could God be doing today? What might, God, what might happen? Now, I don't think that every morning, but man, I wish I would, that I would wake up with that type of expectation every day of what God's power might do. How that would change how I would live my life. Do you live with an expectation of God's power in your life? Because when you realize it was given to these disciples, despite anything that they did to earn it, you realize that there's literally nothing that you need to do for God's power to move through you, but just to be open and available. Do you live with that expectation? Oh, I pray the Lord would open your eyes if you don't. So I believe that he has so much more for you. I pray the Lord would open my eyes where I don't live with that expectation because he has so much more available for us to do if we would have an understanding and a confidence in his power. Hmm. Now what's interesting is the response of the people around them. That these men were so filled with God's power and confidence that some of them thought they were drunk. It's just interesting to think that God's power looks like being drunk. That's not usually the connection I would make. But I think one of the reasons when I read the text that they thought these men were drunk was because of this joyful fearlessness they had. These guys were preaching the gospel in these other tongues. They probably didn't even know or understand what was saying coming out of their mouth. Maybe they did I don't know, but it was the Lord. And they had no, they had no inhibition. They're just out in public and they're going. And they're too happy to care what anybody else thinks. They're too happy to be afraid of anything. And I imagine when you saw this joyful, fearlessness, it it reminds you, this lack of inhibition, it, it reminds you of being drunk. And I know this sounds weird, but just go with me, all right? Because this is what alcohol does. It takes away your inhibitions, as some of you have learned the hard way in your lives. Well, in that sense, the Holy Spirit is kind of like being drunk. Because when you realize God's love for you, that his power is working through you, it makes you fearless. It brings you joy. It takes away your inhibition. God's power brings you joy. In the times of your life where God moves and, and you know that it was God, it brings you joy. But the Holy Spirit doesn't do it like alcohol does it. For those of you in the medical field, you know alcohol is a depressant which means it depresses part of your brain function. The reason you're happy when you're drunk is because you're stupid. Some of you are really stupid, as your memory is probably coming back of those moments. And it's because you're less aware of your reality. This is where the the phrase drown your sorrows comes from. You do it to get away. But the Holy Spirit works in the exact opposite way. It makes you fearless not because you're less aware of your reality, but because you become more aware of your reality. The power of God makes you realize that the Alpha and Omega, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the great I Am has loved you, has died for you, has placed his spirit in you. And no matter what happens, you will spend eternity in his presence. And he's given you power and purpose in this life to share that message of hope with people that desperately Need it. And when that j- understanding that truth comes joy, a joy so much that it can't help but to overflow. It makes you fearless. It makes you want to tell everybody. And some of you, you sit here, and this is not hitting you. This joy of God's power. It's like, oh, okay, okay. But you don't experience it in your life. So maybe you think, is this what I need? I've had conversations with people like this. I, I need to have this Pentecostal moment like this. I need to have this New Testament phone or with these tongues like fire, as it says, come upon me so that I, I may experience this power and live this kind of life because my life with God feels dry and, and dull. It's not It's not exciting. I yawn more than I shout with fearless enthusiasm for the Lord. And this is what some people teach. They, they teach that every believer has needs to have a baptism of the Holy Spirit. They'll do it in services. Come up and be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And just like, just like you're baptized in water, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Everyone needs to have a, a Pentecostal moment. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that no, we don't. We don't need to repeat Pentecost any more than we need to repeat the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem or the the death of Jesus at Calvary or the resurrection of Christ on Easter morning. Someone might ask in this moment, well, why do I see people speaking in tongues in church, on TV and doing all the crazy weird stuff? And this is what we start thinking about. Like you said earlier, when we think about speaking in tongues, we, we think about these Pentecostal services So what is that? So in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, I don't have time to read it. Paul talks about speaking in tongues. Okay, and this is gonna be weird, all right? Let's just be, this is weird, all right? strange, it's weird, it's freaky, all right? Especially if you don't go to church, let's just put it out there, because it's not normal, all right? Let's put it out there, but let's talk about it anyway. And what he says in 1 Corinthians 12-14, through 14, he says, if, if you pray in tongues, in this unintelligible intelligible language, if I can get that word out, in a worship service, and he says, nobody can understand you, you, you kind of need to interpret what God was saying through you, or somebody else does. And and Scripture, and he says, you know, this is a spiritual gift. It's all these gifts with the gifts of healing, uh, and the gifts of prophecy, and all these gifts that he lists off, he said, this is a spiritual gift. And the purpose of it is to praise God. That's the purpose of praise. and Like I said, if, if you're not a church person or you've never seen it, it can sound nuts. I get it. But I will also say if you ever went to a football game or a sports game and you saw people get really excited, some of the intelligible gibberish that they yell out, it's probably not so far-fetched. Now, I do believe in speaking in tongues because the Apostle Paul talks about it. I've experienced it. And, and even though it could be weird and uncomfortable, even special someone like for me who's come to Pentecostal churches where I've seen it blown out of proportion and I, and, and, you know, most of the, and I think this is what ruins all of this is most of the time people are doing it for an emotional experience rather than the call of God. And so it gives a bad taste in all of our mouths to the point that I don't, you know, I don't even like to talk about it because I've seen it so abused. But Paul also says in 1 Thessalonians, he says, he goes, you can't quench the spirit. Just because someone does something poorly, you can't throw it all out. He says, you got to test everything and hold fast to what is good. And in 1 Corinthians, Paul also says that everyone shouldn't value gifts more more than other gifts. And, and, And so the gifts that God gave you, enjoy, don't pursue the ones that he doesn't. And I wish I had more time to break this down. And if you have any other questions, you can see me afterwards. But all of that to say that the type of tongues that were taking place that you would see in a Pentecostal service or you'd read about in 1 Corinthians 12, it's not the type that's happening here, completely different, okay? This had a completely different and very specific purpose, and people often don't understand this, okay? This purpose was to spread the gospel. It wasn't for praise, though he brought God praise, it was to spread the gospel. I mean, think about it. The command of Christ in Acts 1 was what? To go to the ends of the earth and make disciples of all nation. Well, back then, they didn't have Google Translator, Right? So how would a gospel be proclaimed to the entire world if it was not spoken in different languages to that world? It had a specific purpose this moment. To take God's gospel in these different languages, to put it in the hearts of these people, in which many got saved after this, as we'll read later, and then for them to take it back to their parts of the world. We don't need to seek, a baptism of the Spirit. We don't need to speak, uh, seek Pentecost again for our individual lives to experience the power of God. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 12. He says, For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. We were all made to drink of one Spirit. By drink, Paul is referring to partaking of the Holy Spirit, that when we put our faith and trust in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and scripture says, makes his home in our lives. Leading us to God, molding us to become like Christ. I did a whole series about, a series about this last summer, if you don't understand who the Holy Spirit is. A good seven messages on it. It's on our app, it's on our website. Okay, so he says, when you find Christ, The baptism, the the Pentecost that took place here, it is put into you. God's power is placed into you in that moment. In fact, you can't even be saved without the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If in the fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. There is no command in the Bible to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because after Pentecost, the day that God unleashed his Holy Spirit into the individual lives of every believer, there's no need for it. Because we read in Christ that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is alive in us if our faith is in Christ. And this is very important because some of us, we have dry lives. We have dry, boring walks with God. There is no life. There's no energy. There's no excitement. It's more like a thing I have to do than a thing that I want to do. That's what your life is. No enthusiasm for the life of God. And so some people, they turn to these Pentecostal churches and they wanna have these emotional experiences because, well, that's the key to getting passionate and excited about God. No, that's the key to having an emotional experience that makes you feel good for about five minutes but doesn't deal with your sin. Scripture doesn't talk about being baptized in the Spirit, but we are commanded to be filled by the Spirit of God. Ephesians 5. And being filled with the Spirit has to do with you choosing what you pour into your life. Every day we pour things into our lives. We can pour work into our lives, family into our lives, pour God into our lives. We can pour fun into it. We can pour bitterness into our lives. You name it, we can pour it into our lives. Paul says you got to pour the Holy Spirit into your life. You fill up as you do the things that the Holy Spirit asks you to do. As you confess your sin. As you die to selfishness, as you read your Bible, as you pray, as you go to church, as you serve, as as you spread the gospel, as you step out in faith when he commands you to do. See, the Pentecost, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it granted us the power, but it's the filling of the Spirit that unleashes the power in our lives. I guarantee you right now, some of you, you have no passion and excitement in your life for God because you don't fill your life with God. and you don't, haven't filled your life consistent with God for so long, you think it's God's problem. Well, I don't know if I believe in him. I don't know if I do this. I don't know. I don't know. You know because you fill your life with other things other than God. And when you fill your lives uh, with other things than God, then you're not in a position for God's power to be used in your life. You're not even looking for it. You're not even thinking about it. I mean, think about these men. Now, the power of God was given to them. They did nothing to earn it, but they put themselves in a position to receive it. They did exactly what Jesus told them to do. He said, stay in Jerusalem and wait for the spirit. What did they do? Stayed in Jerusalem and they waited for the spirit. And because of their obedience, they experienced experienced the power of God in their lives. And I tell you in my life, the times where I experience his power is when he, when I'm doing the things that he asked me to do, when I'm in the place that he has asked me to be, whether it's reading my word, <coughs> praying, doing ministry, calling to check up on other people. That's when I experience God's power. And it's not always where I'm, I don't just, you know, you, know, you guys, I've had conversation with most of you. You don't ever see me start speaking in weird tongues. Wow, he's speaking Spanish out of nowhere. But you'll notice in times in my life where I'll text you, and you'll be like, oh, dude, how'd you know I was going through something? Or God will give me a word for you. You're like, that's exactly what I needed to hear. Or even last night, I was trying to figure out, okay, how do I get them to understand a certain point? And then literally, out of nowhere, boom, it like came to me. Like that. It was like, I I didn't formulate it, work it out. It was like, boom, God just dropped it. And you'll notice the same in your lives. When you are doing the things that God asked you to do, you're filling life with the Spirit, then you're putting yourself in a place to experience His power. Some of you are just spending too many weeks, months, and lives not putting yourself in that position. And then the, the, the thing is, now some of you, is probably not even connecting with you because you're just so far out of position, you're not even listening for it. Hopefully the the power of the Lord overcomes it. Some of you, you're like, yeah, this is me. And so you immediately get down on yourself and you discount yourself. You beat yourself up. Once again, this is where the moment of Pentecost kicks that lie's tail out the door because they did nothing to earn it. It was given. So in the same place as you put yourself and you make a choice to put yourself back in a position to experience God's power, boom, God gives it without hesitation and when you understand and believe that truth and it gets you excited again like oh man I've wasted time I have not been filling myself with the spirit but God's power is still there it's still waiting now it's time it's time to get on the horse it's time to go and that's what my, my prayer is for you Out of this whole message, whether you've been a Christian five months, five weeks, five days, 50 years, that you will be reminded that the power that changed the world, that raised Christ from the dead, that showed up in Pentecost, is alive inside of you if your faith is in Jesus. It's there. Boom. Without question. Period. No ifs, ands, no buts. It's there. And then that'll get you excited, and it'll get you wondering, man, what... What might God want to do in my life? What, where his power might show up in my life? And will give you this expectation. And because you have this expectation and this excitement, you're going to want to be like these disciples and you're going to want to be obedient to what God's word is calling you to do. To put yourself in a position to experience his power to change the world. That's my hope. That's my hope. That's my prayer. Because I've watched it and last week was a reminder of it. Of how God can use you to touch the lives of people around you. If you only believe and look to his power and put yourself in a position to see it.